Welcome back to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. <laughs> otherwise known as Bruce. And today we're continuing our wonderful journey through the most ridiculous film of all time, The Big Lebowski. Where we last left our heroes. Such as they are. Walter, Donnie had just left the dude at the bowling alley because the dude was expressing some trepidation about losing his wiener. <laughs> to the nihilists. To the nihilists. So uh, the dude just kind of sitting there at the bar by himself and up walks to the bar a cowboy <laughs> played by Sam Elliott. And he comes up and he's like, do you have a good sarsaparilla? He asked the bartender, the cowboy. Now the cowboy, I mean, like, get up. Like He's got the leather vest, long sleeve button-up shirt, the white cowboy hat. He's got a handlebar mustache. It's like the most beautiful handlebar mustache you've ever seen. <laughs> this is obvious, obviously, the narrator, right? Right. When you hear him order the sarsaparilla. <laughs> so you're like, ah, the narrator. So this is a, a fairly common trope in movies and, and TV shows and whatever that, you know, you have the narrator break in. And in some TV shows like How I Met Your Mother, the narrator is the main character. Yeah. The most famous film I could think where this kind of happens is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Right. Well, yeah. And that's even like that's another degree because <laughs> Gonzo's literally telling the story to the camera. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's breaking the fourth wall the entire time. <laughs> so when Sam Elliott's character walks in the cowboy, you're like, OK, he's walking in because he said in the opening that he had met a dude a guy who liked to be called the dude. And so you're like, oh, this is where he enters the story and meets this guy and hears the story kind of a thing. And then you realize as it goes on, no, it's it's actually it's actually not that. <laughs> he is, in fact, breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> and so he orders a, a good sarsaparilla. You know, he's like, do you have a good a good sarsaparilla? Like, there's such thing as a bad one. I don't know. But it so happens that the bar has one. I mean, like, they, how many bars do you know that has sarsaparilla? <laughs> That's true. The sarsaparilla is not an alcoholic drink. It's a soda or soda pop or a pop for you northerners or a Coke for everybody in the, in Texas. But it's similar to a root beer. It's the, the root in root beer is a sarsaparilla root. A sarsaparilla typically has more of the flavor of the root than a root beer does. And the one you'll find typically if you go into your local grocery store and if it has a sarsaparilla at all, it's going to be the one mentioned by the bartender. And that's Sioux City sarsaparilla. And that was your sarsaparilla minute. <laughs> yeah, and that's your most common. I, I actually, um, I really like root beer. I actually prefer sarsaparilla a little, a little more over, over root beer. It just tends to be more expensive. And I have a cheap, cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so after you order his sarsaparilla, he looks over to the, the, uh, the cowboy, the narrator, looks over to the dude and goes, how's it going there, dude? <laughs> he actually calls him dude. <laughs> And dude's like, not too good, man. Not too good. Almost like he's like a wise Asian, you know, philosopher. He goes, well, guy I used to know said, some days you eat the bear. Some days the bear eats you. And the dude just shoots right back again. I mean, he's like, I don't know if he's trying to be rude, 
but he just shoots back and goes, that's some kind of Eastern thing? And he goes, far from it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you break that one down literally, I mean, someday you eat the bear, but <laughs> on the day that the bear eats you, that's it, right? Right. You're done. <laughs> You're not coming back from getting eaten by a bear. <laughs> the narrator, the cowboy, looks at the dude and goes, I like your style, man. Dude's like, I like your style too, the whole cowboy thing. He goes, thanks. Uh, but can I ask you one thing? Could you try not using so many curse words? <laughs> and he says to him, get ready for for the censorship. He says to him, what the f*** are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh. Oh, so this is the narrator literally entering the movie and giving advice to one of the characters <laughs> in the movie. Well, yeah, and then he exits the movie. I mean, at least for the moment. Yeah. The dude says, you know, what are you talking about, man? And he goes, the, uh, the narrator's like, have it your way. Take her easy, dude. And he gets up and he <laughs> walks away. What's funny, too, is I think this is, there's a little bit of a, an editing mistake maybe in there that was the best take they could have because he gets up, he starts to turn, and he turns around, starts to go, you know, screen left, and then he turns and goes screen right. Like, he didn't know which way to go. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it was just interesting. Yeah, either way, they left it in. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting scene because it starts out with the dude, you know, bemoaning the fact that he's now had at least three different groups of people break into his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> All three of which physically assaulted him. All three. In some form or another. And the last group, unlike the first two, who didn't threaten anything when they left. They just, you know, told him to, you know, thanks for wasting our time. Well, the first group told him thanks for wasting our time. The second one just clocked him in the jaw and took his rug. (laughs) Yeah. And this third group is now threatened to cut off his Johnson. And so uh, the dude is in an exasperated state about what to do, both about... They're going to kill this girl, and now they're going to cut off my wang. (laughs) It's so funny because, like, this whole – the whole setup for, like, her kidnapping herself was the dude's idea. Right. And Walter latched onto it so hard that at this point in the movie – He's not willing to give it up, even though the dude has abandoned this concept. <laughs> but his level of caring seems to ebb and flow with whether or not he has time or any sort of interest. Like, he's not committed to it throughout the entirety of the situation. His interest and his commitment to it comes and goes at his own will. <laughs> and then the narrator wanders in. And that's how you can tell this is a real good, solid halfway point. Right. Almost like a, a an intermission of sorts. Yeah. Every scene after this one is is something of a mirror image of the scene of a partner scene that came before this point and then still somehow more ridiculous right. than the original scene, even as ridiculous as the original scene was. So and, then, you know, just the narrator just deciding to break the F out of the fourth wall and to tell one of his own characters to stop doing something. <laughs> And the character tells him, no, man, screw you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was more of like he didn't know what he was talking about. Like, because, like, there's a confusion on his face. And he goes, what the F are you talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He doesn't tell him to F off or mind your own business. He goes, what are you effing talking about? (laughs) Yeah. And the the best part is Sam Elliott looks at the camera and then looks at the dude and says, have it your way, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he looks at us. Fourth wall, man. <laughs> so after the uh, the narrator leaves, uh, 
Gary, the bartender, puts a phone in front of the dude and says, phone call for you, dude. Who is it? It's Maud. <laughs> Wondering why he hasn't gone to the doctor. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I just haven't had the time. She's like, and then she tells him, I want to see you right now. He's like, uh, okay. So we enter in. It's different, but you can obviously tell it's Maud's art studio. It's like a different level or a different room. Um, and sitting in there is a is a shaved head dude, white guy, skinny white guy, in a long sleeve jacket that goes all the way up, just sitting in this uh, chair. It's like a really comfy looking chair, just reading a magazine. Dude walks in, he goes, and the guy sitting down says, "Oh, so you're Lebowski." Now, for those of you, I found this out through after watching this three or four times. <laughs> I found I realized the guy who's playing the weirdo in the chair is the same actor who plays Professor Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. And the way this guy talks. Yes. It's just like it sets you on edge immediately. Like, oh, you're one of those pricks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever those pricks happen to be, it doesn't matter who you are. He's obviously one of them. (laughs) It doesn't matter what. What those bricks are to you, this guy is definitely one of them. <laughs> and what's funny is he he invites the the dude to sit down and he asks the dude, "Do you want a drink?" And he goes, "Sure, man, I'll take a white Russian." And so the other guy goes, "The bar's over there." And it was just like <laughs> instead of saying, "The bar's over there, help help yourself," he says, "Do you want something to drink?" As if he was going to get him something. He goes, "Well, no, you go make it yourself." And he's like. Okay, the hell. <laughs> the dude goes to make himself a white Russian. He's obviously an artist of some kind, so I'm just going to call him the artist. The artist sitting in the chair and goes, "What do you do, Mr. Lebowski?" <laughs> and, and the dude at this point gets a little annoyed. And he's like, "Who the f are you, man?" <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know that's that's the question on everybody's mind walking into this, right? Because when we last walked into this place, the whole thing started off pretty. And ridiculous like and i'm thinking to myself okay there's no way this scene will top its previous scene because uh, you know we've already seen the levels of craziness that mod can offer like this is going to be you know at best equal levels and then there's this guy and he doesn't really <laughs> answer the question he just he just keeps laughing in a weird laugh he has this like like I, uh, oh the laugh <laughs> it's like etched into my brain <laughs> like a forced effeminate f- kind of laugh <laughs> yeah i uh, yeah there's really no other way to to describe it really it's <laughs> I, oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and so as the dude is uh, making himself a drink, Maud walks in with a bag and it's got all this crap in it. You know, the dude's like, well, I got to like, you know, tender my resignation or whatever, because uh, it looks like your your mother really was kidnapped. <laughs> and, um, you know, Maud's just like, you know, oh, no, she wasn't. And so the dude's getting even more mad now going, would you just listen to me? Because I'm telling you, I've gotten some new information that says that uh, that she was. Because <laughs> the dude has been kind of pandering this line as he's gone on for a while, like for several scenes now. This, you know, there's new information's come to light, man, but nobody believes him. And he's just coming off of this conversation he had with Walter, where Walter didn't believe him and didn't care. Right. <laughs> and the conversation before that, where he was talking to the big Lebowski and Brent with the, the other new information. 
So, like, he's just in this, that nobody's listening to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, in the middle of him doing the story, she's like, don't call her my mother. She's not my mother, you know. And she's like, would you just listen? I got some definitive information. She's like, and Maud's like, from who? He's like, well, from the main guy, Uli. And she's like, oh, Uli? You know, her co-star in the, the porn film? He's like... Oh, you mean uh, you know the guy? It's like she mentions that she might have introduced him for all she knows, and she points out that the nihilist, the guys who are going to cut off his nuts, the the leader of them, made this album in the late seventies. <laughs> they called him an LP. It's a vinyl record. The group was called Autobahn. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls up this this record cover, and it's the nihilist and his two buddies, and they just you know in that classic. It's it's more eighties style than I would say seventies, but they're in these yeah. red button up shirts with lipstick on in a black and blue background and it's just very odd. <laughs> but mods like you don't kidnap somebody you know because typically you don't want the person to know who you are once you release them. And so she starts trying to explain it. There's no way that Bunny Lebowski was kidnapped that she kidnapped herself that it's all a setup yeah and is trying to explain to her the same way he was trying to explain to walter but they've got her toe and but he can't he's stumbling over himself because he's drinking again right (laughs) and uh the guy in the chair the video artist as he's revealed to be is like laughing his laugh and no one's paying attention to him Mm -hmm. kind of like a nightmare version of a conversation. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. They can see you and they can hear you, but they're not listening to you. <laughs> right. His earlier conversation with Maude was all kind of like one way. He was just getting information from Maude <laughs> and then agreeing to something. And this is like, I'm trying to say something here, but nobody's taking me seriously. I, I know I look like a disheveled hobo here who's drinking a white Russian. That's all up in my beard and my... <laughs> And my, and my mustache, but somebody listen to me for God's sake. <laughs> so the phone rings, and the weird artist guy picks it up and tells Maude he's got a phone call. And, and before Maude takes the phone call, she says to Jeffrey, "You know, do you have the number of that doctor?" He's like, "Oh no, it's fine, it's fine. I'll, you know, it's not even bruised anymore." She goes, "Oh please, Jeffrey, I don't want to be responsible for any after effects." <laughs> And then she goes and picks up another phone and they're talking back and forth. I don't know if it's Spanish or it's French. It's French. Okay. That's what I thought. It's just weird because the two people that are on the phone call are laughing strangely, you know, and just back and forth. And the dude's like, all right, I got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get the bleep up out of here. (laughs) Because in the middle, like she, you know, says something in French. And, you know, she's waiting on the phone and then she starts laughing. Right. She explains to the guy sitting in the couch with his crazy laugh, whatever it is that was said on the phone in French. And he starts laughing, too. And they're both they're both laughing really weird. Like (laughs) he's got his like little Twitter laugh thing. And and she's laughing like this fake French laugh. I got no other way to put it. I don't know how to put it. But (laughs) like you could just see the dude's like head just slowly melting or exploding (laughs) one or the other. (laughs) He's listening to this. (laughs) So we flash into what's obviously a doctor's office. The dude's listening to music on his Walkman. And the doctor comes and starts doing a cursory examination. Now, what's funny is you mentioned how I met your mother. I don't know if you noticed this, but the doctor is Sanjeev. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the driver, <laughs> the guy who always ends up ends up being the driver. 
<laughs> Somehow. <laughs> and so as the guy does a quick cursory exam, he tells uh, the dude to slide your shorts down. The dude's like, oh, no, man, she hit me in the face, man. It's up here. The doctor goes, I understand. Would you please lower your shorts? <laughs> the dude's got a, like a blank look on his face. And then the next thing you see is the dude in his car <laughs> just bobbing his head, you know, pumping his fist and a big old grin on his face. I don't know exactly what happened, but <laughs> whatever it was, the dude seemed to have enjoyed it. <laughs> nice. This is another scene with uh, some pretty classic music in it. Looking out my back door. It's a pretty classic rock song. So the dude's, you know, just driving, bobbing, smiles on his face. You notice he's smoking weed <laughs> in one hand. In the other hand, he's got a beer. And he's looking in his rearview mirror and he sees this blue Volkswagen Beetle following him. An old classic Volkswagen Beetle. And it's just following him and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> and, then, and then at one point he, he tries to flick the joint out the window. But the window doesn't work so it ricochets <laughs> onto his crotch. And so he's trying to drive, trying to get the, the joint, the burning joint off him. So he starts <laughs> pouring beer all over himself to dash it out. And, you know, he's not paying attention where he's going. There's a car coming right at him. He has to swerve out of the way jumps the curb and takes a hard left and slams head first into a dumpster <laughs> i love the uh him bobbing along and, and he tries to get rid of that joint and then it's in his lap because he's doing it like absentmindedly because he, he recognizes that that bug following him and just the scream like it ends up in his lap he's like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> just the screaming and it's the- a very classic comedy kind of thing <laughs> Oh, yeah. Very slapstick. Very slapstick. So when he hits the dumpster and he stops, he's looking around. He doesn't see the car anymore. And he's sliding over to try to find the joint. And he looks down inside the seat cushion and he sees a balled up piece of paper. And he pulls it out. And the camera focuses on bits and pieces of it. And what it is is like a school paper about the Louisiana purchase and it's marked all to hell. Like it was in fact like the letter grade was like D. Yeah. Teacher notes all over it. And it has the kid's name on it. I forget what the kid's name was, but it's got this kid's name on it. And so you think, aha, now we've got a new lead. <laughs> so the next thing that we see is a guy behind a white screen. It's clearly one of those interpretive dance kind of play things you know like a play it's like modern art theater kind of thing yeah definitely like a low budget theater modern art community kind of a thing it's got like fake vines and whatnot and he's doing these weird movements (laughs) and so the the strangeness just keeps growing you're just like what so the guy who's dressed up is the the dude's landlord doing this play that he said that we remember way back at the beginning of this movie that he said that he had. Yeah. And this is the parallel scene to the landlord scene that we got from earlier. And the culmination of that, (laughs) that journey, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) And so the dude's in one row, Donnie's in another row and you see Walter come in, sit next down to the dude and says, the kid lives on, on this road, Ramford near the in and out burger. (laughs) And the dude's like, no man, the in and out burger is on cameras. It's like, I didn't say on the same street as the in and out burger near the in and out burger. And Donnie chimes in, hey, those are good those burgers. Are good burgers. <laughs> of course, Walter's like, shut the f*** 
<laughs> up, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Donnie. That was a good burger. Yeah. And explains that the kid is in ninth grade and he lives on this road and that his dad is this um, big time writer for this show called uh, Brandon. I've never heard of them, but apparently he wrote the majority of this show at Brandon, which to me sounds like a Western. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, the kid is this guy's son and that they found out where he lives and they can go talk to him and they're going to shake out the money from the kid because the kid apparently they believe the kid took the money. Brandon was an American Western series that aired on NBC from 1965 through 1966. There you go. Sponsored by Procter and Gramble and it's Sunday night, 830 p.m. Eastern time period. Series is set in post Civil War Old West. Uh, so basically it had two seasons. First season was 16 episodes long, and the second season was 32. Both Walter and the dude are very both familiar with this show and think it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Not really sure why, because I've never seen it, but maybe I'll watch it one day. Well, to say that the dude thought it was amazing, he just agrees with Walter, and he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. They go, yeah, but you're right, Dottie. We can go shake this kid for the money, and then we'll go to the In-N-Out Burger, get a couple burgers, a couple beers. And he tells the dude, our, I'm telling you, dude, our troubles are over. <laughs> and, uh, and, and much like anything in, in movies, you know, any type of movie, whenever you, the characters try to predict the outcome, it doesn't usually end well. Just like in Star Wars, when they go, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, or I've got a bad feeling about this. Well, there's a reason. Right. <laughs> There's a good reason you have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> so the dude's beat up jalopy like like as the dude's pulling up to this house in the suburban neighborhood, you know, you can see that the car is just taking a beating. It's being held together with like bungee cords and stuff and whatnot. They pull up to in front of this house and they look to their left and they see this red sports car. And dude's like, oh, man, he spent the money already. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a Corvette because Walter says, ah, oh, no, not all the money. He's still got nine hundred sixty nine hundred seventy thousand left. Yeah, depending on <laughs> options. <laughs> depending on options. It's true. If you go buy a Corvette, there's a lot of different options you can go with that change the price pretty dramatically. <laughs> No, I should point out at this point, Walter's in a suit and tie. Walter looks pretty put together. <laughs> like business-like. And Donnie is in the backseat just being Donnie. Chilling. <laughs> <laughs> and so they go knock on the door. This uh, Mexican woman answers it. And he was like, I am Walter Sobchak, and this is my associate, Jeffrey Lebowski. We came to talk to you about, you know, little Larry. Kid's name is Larry. There we go. <laughs> uh, can we come in? And sure, they come in and you go into this house. And Walter goes, there he is, talking about the dad. And what do we see? We see a guy lying in a honest-to-God iron lung. Walter's like, and a good day to you, sir. Yeah. And at this point in the scene, we've reached, you know, typical ridiculousness for this movie. Okay, they're now talking to a guy in an iron lung. (laughs) Like, okay, okay, that's, yeah, all right, fine, fine, all right. They're about to shake. They're going to try and shake down Larry, who they think have stolen the briefcase and used the money in it to buy a Corvette. Let's see how Walter decides to play this out. <laughs> <laughs> and so the mom invites a man to sit down. They sit down and, and you know, mom calls the son into the room. And while they're waiting for the kid to come out, and then the, Walter 
starts speaking to the dad, you know, that's lying unconscious in the iron lung. You're like, I, I just wanted to say on a personal note, sir, that me and my, my friend here were both very big uh, uh, fans of, of your work. And, and that branded had a big impact on our life <laughs> or on my life. Yeah. <laughs> he's like just gushing, you know, over this guy who clearly he's just barely conscious. And Well, you know, we get no response from him, so there's no way to know <laughs> if he hears anything, right. sees anything. Yeah. So from behind our heroes comes out this kid and he sits down and you can just look at him. He's just stone faced. You're just like, oh yeah, this kid's a little prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just see it. Like just he's got that like deadpan but in a teenager kind of way uh-huh. look to him. You know, where you know, like if you had to encounter this this kid in real life, you'd be like, Oh, I wish I was your actual parent so I could slap this out of you because <laughs> that is obviously what you need <laughs> the kid sits down and mom's like oh these guys are the police and all of a sudden walter's all business like it's as if he were a cop you know or a lawyer or something he's like oh no we're hoping not to bring the police into this and he opens up a briefcase and pulls out the kid's homework paper in like a um a laminate pocket thing like as if it was evidence like you know you just chain of evidence kind of thing you know and he goes is this your homework and the dude's like we know it's his homework yeah we know it's him and he just keeps asking is this your homework larry is this your homework is this your homework larry and the dude's just like dude what did you do with the money kid you know we know it's his homework walter <laughs> and the whole time Larry is not budging. Doesn't say a word, just straight face. Just (laughs) deadpan, straight, same face, doesn't move, doesn't blink. It's like he's not even acknowledging anything is happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the dudes just get more more impatient, like, where's the money? Where's the money? And Walter's like, like, you're entering a world of pain here, son. (laughs) (laughs) We remember where that went last time. You know, there's just back and forth. You get a lot of yelling. Walter's like, you're killing your father, Larry. You're killing your father. The kid's still not saying anything. So Walter's like, oh, all right, fine then. Puts the homework away and you're like, what's he going to do now? Yeah. He gets up, starts walking to the door, turns around and he goes, you watch out that window, Larry, because this is what happens when you a stranger in the. Yeah. So (laughs) so we went from went from you're entering a world of pain. And then we stepped it up to you're killing your father. His father in the iron lung behind the kid. And they're telling the kid, you are killing your father right now. (laughs) What better way to step it up than to tell a teenager, this is what happens when you f*** a stranger in the (laughs) So Walter walks outside with his briefcase, taking his jacket off. He throws the jacket and the briefcase into the car, opens the trunk, takes out a crowbar. It's like yelling at the kid at this point in the middle of the street. This is what happens, Larry. This is what happens. Walks over to the red Corvette and just starts smashing the out of it. The whole time. All the while just yelling. This is what happens when you stranger in the. And Donnie is like. The brief moment I think we see Donnie's face, he's like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> like this is just like, it's sort of a mix of like confusion and panic on Steve Buscemi's face. <laughs> and the kid's looking through through the window from the living room, just again, no expression, nothing, no smiles, nothing. He's just, you know, deadpan. Yeah. You know, like that jerk deadpan face, that jerk face. <laughs> I have to assume this is the kind of face that you, you get you know, talking to people who are really high on something and are just non-responsive. 
I also want to give props to the to the to the act you know the actor kid because that must have been hard to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the ridiculousness going on right in front of you. <laughs> and so as Walter's beating the crap out of this this thing, like he's busting the windshield, the back window, he smashes every window. He reaches in, gets the the folding headlights that pop up, starts smashing them. And as he's smashing those headlights, a guy starts coming out, yelling, "What the." F- are you doing grabs the crowbar <laughs> that's my car he's yelling he's a completely different guy yeah he's, he's from a house you know next door <laughs> you know, i just bought that car this week <laughs> and all of a sudden walter lets go of the crowbar like whoa man whoa i'm sorry yeah <laughs> and off, i'm gonna kill you and turns around and starts beating the crap out of the dude's car the dude's like whoa man wait i didn't do nothing <laughs> you killed my car so now i'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill your, your car Yes. Remember the dude three scenes before this, like wrecked the car into a light pole. <laughs> so this thing is already pretty shitty. But this guy starts wailing on it and breaks every window that's left. <laughs> And then the next thing you see is our heroes, such as they are. <laughs> the dude's driving the car. Walter and Donnie are eating burgers and, and, and drinking a soda. And there's very clearly no windshield in the car anymore. Like, there's nothing <laughs> protecting the car from the outside. Right, right. the wind's just blowing right through. <laughs> and the dude just has this look on his face. Like, F you, F everybody. <laughs> Obviously, that scene, it's just so ridiculous. Like, I, I don't even really, really need to bring up the ridiculousness of the scenes anymore because it's just obvious. And what we've gotten to the point where we're just describing the scene makes us feel like we're stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, we, we spent like a minute and a half watching John Goodman smash a Corvette while screaming out, this is what happens when you f- a stranger in the ass. Extremely <laughs> to a sixteen-year-old, you know, <laughs> literally what we spent a minute and a half doing in that scene <laughs> with no resolution. Like nothing came. Literally nothing was resolved in that scene except the car continues to be transformed into a piece of. Shit. <laughs> right, and it didn't start that high up on the food chain. Anyways. No, no, it did not. <laughs> So the next thing you see is the dude hammering a piece of wood into the floor of his apartment. And like, they're like 20, 30 nails. None of them are flat in. They're all just like bent downwards and at odd angles and whatnot. And it's just, you know, it's just haphazardly done. And the dude's on the phone talking to Walter going, no, Walter, I just, I just want to handle it on my own from now on. That's all. And he goes, no, no, he wasn't about to crack. (laughs) 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 Yeah. He's like, of course the car made it home. You know, I'm, you're calling me at home. (laughs) Walter, it did not look like Larry was about to crack. (laughs) And he's like, well, that's your perception. (laughs) Because you can't hear what Walter's saying, but you can imagine because the way, the dude is answering him at the end of this was goes you know walter you're right there is a lesson here and it's that you're an stop speaking to me and then leave me alone and you know he's saying that he's yelling at this like he's mad and he's never going to talk to him again and then he goes yeah i'll see you at practice and then hangs (laughs) up The dude is really bent out of shape here, kind of like the nails that he's been trying to hammer. The first time I saw this movie, 
this was one of those scenes that caused me to laugh so hard that I fell out of my chair <laughs> because he is, he is just really intent on not interacting with the world at this point. Right. I am, I am nailing a piece of wood into my floor to hold up a chair, to hold the door closed so that nobody can get inside. And, you know, I've just cursed out my best friend, although I did tell him I was going to be at bowling practice. <laughs> And just as he thinks he's got it all figured out, you come to find out the door opens outwards, <laughs> not inwards. <laughs> so the door opens and the chair just goes tumbling forward and the carpet pissers walk in. It's <laughs> just... Look at him. Just like, oh, me. I'm out. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right there. Just, you got it. just like oh come on <laughs> <laughs> oh man so the carpet pissers walk in and they go Jackie Treehorn wants to see you <laughs> we know which Lebowski you are Lebowski yeah you're not dealing with with idiots here <laughs> 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 oh man uh, and then out of left field it's a black screen and suddenly falling from the top of the screen is a shirtless woman <laughs> oh yeah and you're like what what, what just happened here it's like, <laughs> and the, the music is like this weird like tribal you know yeah. mantra kind of music <laughs> going into it you, you kind of feel like you're you've entered one of the dream sequences because you're like you're just seeing this topless woman in like a back a black background falling and you see what looks like to be a guy who's just clearly just amazed at this shirtless woman like he's catching her and then all of a sudden he's like he's tossing her up again you come to find out that it's like a parachute kind of thing being held by a bunch of guys and she's landing in the middle of it and they're tossing it but yeah and that guy's face that really sells it because you're like what in the (laughs) f this guy is like over the roof for throwing this one like this is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to anybody in all time. <laughs> and then when you pans out, you see like a giant bonfire and people everywhere, people playing beach volleyball. And it looks like it's just like a big old beach party. People chasing each other. And it's kind of in a little bit of a slow-mo, but it's not. I mean, it sort of is to start off with. Like the whole thing is, um, you know, the the girl being thrown up and down and the guys throwing her up and down. And then when you get to the beach party part, it starts to move from sort of the slow-mo into like regular. And then you start to hear like the noises. Like before, all you're hearing is this like weird tribal music. And then by the time you see there's a figure emerging from you know, the chaos coming towards the camera, it starts to, everything starts to congeal into like, okay, this is a real scene. Like, this is not like crazy. You're, right. you're just hearing the sounds and people talking and shouting and, and everything goes into like regular motion again. Right. And the guy's walking right up to the camera in like a blazer, you know, uh, hi dude. I'm, I'm Jackie Treehorn. And it's weird because it's not like he's introduced himself to the dude. It's more like he's introducing himself to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hello dude. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm transported into Jackie Treehorn's, uh, stylish like seven i would say this is more 70s style kind of house right yeah this is sort of the 70s ultra modern kind of styling of a house very like bunch of strange angles lots of random open spaces you get this sort of stuff out of like uh i think what the the best depiction of it 
in a movie was in The Incredibles. Uh, they did just a fantastic job in The Incredibles. It always reminds me of like a lot of the stuff that you see at like the original Epcot stuff. Yes, that too. It's very much actually kind of reminds me of the the house from Incredibles too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> And so they're in Jackie's place and a little banter back and forth. You know, dude's like, this is a nice place you have. Yeah. So if you guys remember who Jackie Treenhorn is, he is the known pornographer who Bunny owed money to. And also in whose film Bunny starred that we were introduced to the name Jackie Treehorn via Maude, who showed the big or the, the dude, you know, the moot log jammer <laughs> or at least right. Uh, he fixes the cable, right? <laughs> <laughs> And so, uh, you know, of course, Jackie asks him what he wants to drink. And of course, what does the dude order? A white Russian. Russian. And so the dude comments, goes, this is a nice place you have. Uh, how's the smut business? And Jackie Tree, or like all pornographers for some reason, or like anytime you hear a pornographer being dressed as a pornographer on screen, he goes, I wouldn't know. I'm not in the smut business. I deal in publishing, entertainment, political advocacy. And so the dude shoots back. So what was log jamming? He goes, yeah, regrettably so. Standards have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> In adult entertainment. You know, and he goes on to this spiel about how, like, now everything's electronic and, you know, the wave of the future and how that people forget how the brain is the most erogenous zone in in the human body. (laughs) You know, again, trying to make himself morally better than just a pornographer. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't worry. You know, sex robots and he talks about interactive erotic software, you know, wave of the future, 100 percent electronic. And he comes to the end of this spiel and the dude goes, well, I still jerk off manually. I love that comeback. <laughs> of course, Jackie Drehorn shoots back. Uh, of course. Of course you do. <laughs> He's like, well, anyways, getting down to business. <laughs> I, I still jerk off manually. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Jackie Drehorn's like, well, where's Bunny? Dude's like, well, I thought you should know. And he's like, why is that? She ran off to you. And he's like, no, she just ran off because of the money she owed me. And dude's like, well, I don't know. And Jackie Treehorn's like, well, I know you're mixed up in all this. And he goes, I don't care what you're trying to get out of the family. All I'm saying is I want my share too. And he goes, whatever you want from your family is your business, not mine. All I'm saying is I want mine. Because Bunny owes him money. Like the, the whole thing that started, you know, because that's what this scene relates to is the third scene in the movie where the guys break into the dude's apartment and, and you know, trash his house. This is what this all ties back to is Jackie Cheehorn is trying to get his money. And so that's that's what he's going for here. So the dude tries to tell him, well, you know, I got to tell you, there's a lot of different angles and faucets and things here, you know, a lot of different places that this goes and then right then the phone rings and Jackie Treehorn goes excuse me <laughs> and he goes over to the counter takes a phone call you see the it looks like he's trying to write something down dude's watching him Jackie gets off the phone goes into the other room so the dude hurries over to where the notepad was and starts doing uh, the etching scribbling thing you know to see what he was wrote down yeah and it turns out to be a crude drawing of a man with an oh with a larger than what you would think would be normal penis I, I, it's like half his body <laughs> right <laughs> and, and he's he's you know doing the doing the, the the thing with the pencil on its side and he's he's scraping it and then he you know gets the little drawing and it gets further down and then he starts to slow down on the pencil thing and he's just kind of looking at it like what what the f- <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
and so he hears Jackie come back and he, you know, grabs the paper and runs back and pretends he was sitting there the whole time. With his feet constantly trying to go above his head, <laughs> squirming around on the right. couch. It's per typical dude stuff. <laughs> Jackie comes back again. Sorry for the, you know, that. And he goes, oh, that's fine. You know, so what's in it for me if I help you find uh, your money? He goes, well, you know, there's that to discuss. You know, I'll, let me refill your drink. He goes, sure. If you could find my money, I'll give you 10% of, of the finder's fee. As he's telling them that he's given this finder fee, he brings him the drink. Dude starts drinking it. And dude's like, well, it's being held by this kid, uh, Larry Whatever. He lives in North Hollywood. This is actually an interesting piece. This is kind of an interesting move on the dude's part. Because the money for Bunny's kidnapping, right? Mm -hmm. Ostensibly, it's to go to the kidnappers who were quote-unquote kidnapped Bunny. And it came from the big Lebowski Foundation, or the you know, Lebowski's Achievers Foundation, right? And so he, he right. knows this million dollars doesn't actually belong to Jackie Treehorn. Because what Jackie's looking for is the money that Bunny owes him. Right. But it's interesting that he sees, oh, so, you know, my first offer from the Big Lebowski was like 10K and Maud's offer was like 20K and your offer is 100K. So I'll, I'll give the money to you. It's an interesting, it, it actually like, there's a little bit of brain function going on here in the dude. Like when he decides, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'll just tell Jackie where the money is and he can... Well, especially since he's in Jackie Treehorn's place already and he knows that, you know, guy could just whack me here and that'd be it, you know? Yeah. That's what he was already afraid of. <laughs> but he's like, oh, if I can get paid and get out of here and let this all be out of my hair, all right. So he tells him about Larry, the little brat that lives in North Hollywood, you know, that he's got the money and he's like, oh, I'm sure your guys can handle shaking him from him you know he's a little brat of a kid but you know he's 15 you know it shouldn't be too hard as he's drinking this drink you know he starts getting a little woozy and jackie jacorn's like you're trying to tell me that a 15 year old's got my money you know what are you trying to pull he's like i'm not trying to pull anything tries to stand up and he falls back down i was like that's a hell of a caucasian you make there jackie so clearly there was something in that drink. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. I'll put it this way. If Larry had the million dollars, they gave up on that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they kind of, you know, Walter and, and then they sort of, they walked away. I would have ripped that kid's house apart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I would have made him say something eventually. So it is kind of weird that they sort of walk away and then, you know, they figure out, okay, the Corvette isn't his. So what did he do with the money? Right. You know, there's a lot of questions that come into play that never really get answered. Well, well more of the fact that when you smash somebody's car, it was like, let's just get the hell out of here before the cops show up. Cause right. Because then you're going to be answering even more questions to the wrong people. Right, exactly. <laughs> so but there's just a lot of questions that are kind of lingering. Like if this kid had come upon a million dollars in a briefcase, would he have done something for his dad? You kind of you kind of start to get the idea that maybe the maybe the kid didn't get the million dollars, or maybe the possibly even the briefcase didn't have the money in it. That notion starts to play out, but it it never really gets considered by either Walter or the dude, right? Or I guess Donnie either. But who who the f- cares? <laughs> so like we were say, like I was saying is that the dude you know obviously there was something in the dude's drink. You can start seeing that it's starting to take effect, and the two goons are standing next to Jackie Treehorn. He's like, "Hey guys." Listen, all the kid wanted was the car. All the dude ever wanted was his run, run back. back. And at that point, he just 
passes out right just face plants right on the glass table <laughs> yeah he's looking up at him and he's like and he's he starts to go into slow-mo like all oh, the dude wanted was his rug back man <laughs> <laughs> it tied the room together <laughs> <laughs> really tied the room together <laughs> Full on, and and the camera angle is obviously from under the glass table, so you get the full on Jeff Bridges' face smashed into the (laughs) into the glass, drunk hobo (laughs) kind of thing going on here. Very well done. So yeah, plenty of ridiculous still to come somehow. Even though we've crossed the threshold of a you know spending a minute and a half with a man yelling in the middle of the road, smashing a car. This is what happens when you f*** a stranger in the ass. <laughs> um, thanks for uh, checking our podcast out. Listen to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. Remember, we do have a website, uh, patandthefatman.com, and we now have a Facebook page, uh, which I think is just called Pat and the Fat Man. So share us on social media. Tell your friends about it. Rate us on your podcast service so we get served out. And, um, Yeah. And support us. <laughs> We'd appreciate it. I'm Pat. And I'm the fat man. Stay classy. The dude abides. Mmm, Shay's gonna kill me because I'm eating chips. <clears throat> Delicious <laughs> chips. Mm. These are really good too. Like the bag is Doritos Cool Ranch. And unlike normal, these ones actually had like twice the amount of flavor stuff on them. It's like they upped the amount of flavor they put in the back. Somebody finally listened to my complaint from 20 years ago. <laughs> well, just remember to tell Shay that she kills you. She ends up killing me. You know, they can replace you, but where are they going to find another fat man in America? I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to comment on that one. <laughs> <laughs>